Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks Thanks be to to God, who gives us victory, the victory, the victory, through our Lord Jesus Christ. And welcome back to the Living Victory Podcast. My name is Christian Conway. As always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Max Keane and Jonathan Krauss. How are you guys doing today? Um, I am quite, I don't know, today's been kind of boring, yesterday's been kind of boring, I've been in quarantine lately, so yeah, it's not a whole lot of fun, but we're... Why have you been in quarantine, Max? Um, I've been exposed to COVID, and I believe (gasps) that I have COVID. (laughs) Oh man, we gotta, gotta keep you isolated. Maybe we gotta keep you off the podcast for two weeks. Oh Uh -oh. snap. <laughs> no, no. But you got like what? 11 other people in your house besides you. So there's always got to be somebody to talk to or, you know, somebody to play with. Well, it it depends cuz some of them don't want to be around me. They th- cuz they <laughs> think they're safe and I'm not, so Yeah, I have yeah. a secret for them. If they're living in a house with 11 other people, who, most of whom have COVID, there's a very high chance that they're also going to get COVID. <laughs> that would be correct. So yeah, we've definitely been praying for you, Max. Um, yeah. I'm excited for break. I don't know about you guys. Yes. yes. Thanksgiving yeah. break is going to be a huge blessing. Um, school's been r- rough as of late, and it's going to be nice to have a breather for at least a couple of days until all of the assignments pack up for next Monday. <laughs> but we're going to get through it. We always do. Wait, when does your semester end? Oh, like December 21st is my last day of finals. I was going to say, yeah, that's, you said next Monday. I was like, holy cow, you got like a week and a half left. (laughs) Yeah, no, we definitely, we've got some time left in the semester. They end pretty late this year, which is unfortunate. Same, same with my university, University of Guam. They were like, you know, let's, uh, let's just stop the week before Christmas. Like as, as close as we can get to Christmas. (laughs) So, but I'm, I'm, go ahead. Mine is just two weeks after Thanksgiving. Hmm. So do you have what, nice. one week of class and one week of finals? E- sort of. So our last two weeks are all online, so they're kind of cramming everything in and then giving us all our finals and papers that Friday. Oh, so you're not going back to, to school at all? You're staying home? No. Yep. Oh, nice. That's good, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to the break because it just – it's not even – even in semesters where school isn't hard, it's just that there's always something hanging over your head. And there's always something you have to think about. That's one step, two steps, three steps in front of you that you just, you're never like in relaxed mode, fully relaxed mode. And uh, last night, so, well, you know, speaking of relaxed mode, have you guys ever played Rock Band? Uh, yes. It's been a long time. So we have Rock Band and... It's actually a funny story because we had it for the PS3, PlayStation 3, and then we got a PlayStation 4 when those came out about five years ago, and my dad bought Rock Band for the PlayStation 4 without our mom knowing. She she didn't tell him not to buy it, but she also didn't tell him that he could buy it, so he just bought it and waited until she noticed that he bought it. Obviously, it's a hard thing to hide because when you play it, you're like making all kinds of noise and stuff, <laughs> but anyway, it's just a funny story that we tell, and last night uh, I came home. Uh, my brother and my dad were playing rock band. It was like 1130 at night and my brother and my dad were playing rock band 
but my mom is not a huge fan of rock band and just the the volume that things get to and so <laughs> instead of them playing in the living room which is like central middle of the house they played in my brother's room which is all the way in one side of the house and my mom went to go sit in the other in her room which is on all the way in the opposite side of the house and so nice. you can imagine how much she doesn't like rock band but i'm sure that that gets uh exaggerated at 11 30 at night but it was fun i went in there and we played rock band for like another hour and a half or two hours so <laughs> gotta love midnight rock band yeah i i enjoy for me it's like late night hamilton at least that's how it's been lately just jamming out to hamilton <laughs> yeah that's one of the musicals that i can actually stand because i like the i like the hip-hop and i like the american history and I have to write a paper on it this week anyway, because we have to write a paper. We all had to w- watch an American history movie and then w- write a paper on it. And I was like, well, you know, I've already seen Hamilton twice. So if I choose that one, I don't have to go out of my way to watch another movie. And with all the pleasantries out of the way, we're going to transition into our topic for today, which is actually we're going to be focusing on the disciples of Jesus. So one thing we were talking about before we wanted to record this podcast is um a couple of us were learning about some interesting things about the disciples that we didn't know before. And especially me, like uh, I learned some things about the disciples this week that I did not know. Um, one thing, especially being the disciples were actually very young, um, a lot younger than you would probably think. So we obviously know that uh, the Bible is pretty clear that Jesus was around 30 when he started his ministry and his ministry carried on for about three years. Um so we know that Jesus was in the 30 to 33 range in during his time of ministry. This, there's not a lot said about the age of the disciples, but through uh, historical contexts and a couple scriptures uh, kind of splattered here and there, we can kind of figure out that the disciples were actually in the age range of about um, 18 or so. And then Peter was roughly older than that. He would, Peter was about 20 probably lower 20s uh was the age of peter it's just kind of really interesting and the way that we can sort of derive that is um first of all we know that the disciples were old enough to or some of the disciples at least were old enough to work full time and this is kind of referring to um the disciples that were fishermen that were fishing with their dads or whatever they were old enough to work full time and so we know that's generally around the age of 18 or so the reason that we actually know that Peter was roughly older than 20 is because of Matthew 17, 24 through 27. Um, in this passage of scripture, uh, Jesus and Peter need to pay the temple tax and Jesus worked a miracle where the, the tax, they pulled the taxes or the coins from a fish's mouth so that they could pay the temple tax. Um, the temple tax is actually from Exodus 30, 14 through 15. Um, in that day, Jewish law essentially stated that every male over the age of 20 had to pay a half shekel um, as an offering to visit the temple. And therefore, if you're over 20, you have to pay this, this tax. And so during that, in that passage, uh, it only refers to Jesus and Peter actually paying the tax. Um, and the money that they got from the fish's mouth was only enough for two people to pay that tax. So we can kind of assume that Peter was the only one over 20 um, in the disciples. Uh, Peter was also married. We know that Jesus healed his mother-in-law. 
Um, so we can assume that Peter was married uh, at the time. So Peter was definitely a little bit older than the than the other guys. We don't know really much about the other disciples in terms of their actual specific ages, but we definitely know that they were less than 20 and old enough to work full time. Yeah, when we found this out, it was really surprising to me just because I, like I would imagine most people, uh, when I imagined the disciples in my head, it was a group of, you know, 20s 30s like similar age to jesus kind of guys and i i didn't really have a reason for thinking that it's just anytime you see a depiction of the disciples or anytime you just like for myself anytime i imagine the disciples doing whatever the bible stories were talking about them doing it was just a group of younger to middle-aged men and i i don't really know why that was and so when we started looking into this when we started doing the research for this podcast and we found that the disciples, there's evidence that the disciples were younger. And the fact that in Jewish culture, often rabbis are around the age of 30, and then they take on followers who are 13, 15, 18 age range. Just you think about it, and it makes sense because he, Jesus was their teacher. They called him rabbi. He was their teacher. He walked around and, and taught them about God's word and stuff. So it makes sense that the teacher would be older than the students. I just never allowed that to click in my mind. And when I did, it was really encouraging to me because knowing that the disciples are my age, like the disciples were, so for context, I'm 18 and the disciples were probably around 18, some younger, some older. And so just imagining like it, it allows me to put myself in that situation and to imagine myself going out and following Jesus, to imagine Jesus coming to me and, and doing some miracle or, or telling me to follow him because there was a a different way that he got each disciple to go follow him. Uh, some he did miracles, like Nathaniel, for example, was under the fig tree. And Jesus told him about that. Jesus hadn't seen him under the fig tree, but he told him that he saw him under the fig tree. And Nathaniel was like, how did Jesus know I was under a fig tree? So there, there were some small miracles that he did to draw people, uh, like the miracle with Peter, James, and John in the fish. Jesus took them out on the water right after they'd come back from a long, unsuccessful day of fishing, Jesus took them back to the same spot and had them let down their nets. And then they got a whole, they got so much fish that their boat couldn't even handle all the fish. So it's just, Jesus did some, some miracles. He also just called some people. Uh, but just imagining myself in that situation, a guy comes up to me, does something, something really cool, something that maybe blows my mind and then tells me to follow him and just, trying to imagine myself doing that. And a lot of disciples dropped what they were doing to go follow him. Like Matthew, for example, was a tax collector. He was at his tax collecting booth when Jesus called him. He dropped everything and went to go follow Jesus. So just how much how much devotion do you have to have to something to drop everything and go follow it? But then on top of that, we will talk about this this as we go further into the episode. But the disciples weren't something special, for a lack of a better term. The disciples weren't intellectual elites. They weren't spiritual elites. They, they weren't like the cream of the crop. They weren't even the most faithful. They were a group of average men that Jesus called and surrounded himself with in order to teach them and help them grow in God's word. And as we unpack this, as we look more into this, uh, their lives with Jesus and the way that their ministry went and the good and bad things that they did, I think that we'll see a really, really cool encouragement for us that we can do it. 
we are average people just like they were average people. And we can follow Jesus just as faithfully as they follow Jesus and make just as much of an impact on the world for Christ as they did. Yeah, and sort of along those lines of um, we are in that age range, and I know a lot of our listeners as well are in that age range of, you know, Jesus's followers and being able to know like, oh, wow, like God can use any kind of person at any age, at any stage of life for his kingdom. And um, First Timothy 4.12 even says not to let anyone look down on you because of your youth, but to set an example. Um, and so us as believers are called to, no matter what, be a light for other people. Um, and we're in this stage of sanctification right now where God is making us into the likeness of Christ. And that's a continuous process that we're going through on this earth. Um, but to know that our ministry is, isn't worse because of our youth, but God can do anything with anyone, um, for his glory. And so that's something that is pretty exciting to me. Um, and I want to kind of touch on what Christian also said about how, like, we see that the disciples weren't, you know, these great men that Jesus picked out. Um, because we see, looking at Luke chapter 5, when he uh, Jesus calls Peter, um, Peter call or Jesus um, tells Peter to put the net into the deep water um, for the, to catch the fish. And they caught such a large number that the nets were beginning to break. And once they came back, um, Peter says, like, Lord, get away from me because I'm sinful. Like, he knew that he was a sinful man, that he wasn't anything um, extraordinary. And so having that kind of humility um, before Christ is something that I think we could all learn from, where we all are sinful, we all have our weaknesses, but Christ uses people even in their weaknesses. And one thing that I, one, one specific example from scripture that I can really relate to the, the disciples on, because like we said, they were young, just like we are. They weren't anything special. Like Jesus didn't go around and choose the 12 most qualified men in the area to follow him. In fact, he kind of did the opposite. He kind of chose the 12 men who had absolutely nothing special about them. These were fishermen. Like that was a rough and tumble crowd. Fishermen were not like hailed in society. People didn't look up to fishermen, but they were also um, like, well, you know, some of them were fishermen. Some of them were, one of them was a tax collector. Um, they didn't have like tax collectors were looked down on. They were like the, some of the worst sinners in society because they stole from people. So Jesus wasn't going around choosing the most holy people or the most qualified people. And one example of this that I can relate to is found in Mark chapter 8. So for context, this is right after they feed the 5,000 with Jesus. So they they have a group of 5,000 and they have a couple bread and some fish, like maybe two fish and five bread or, or some small number. Let's see. It was, they had seven loaves. Oh, I guess this one they only had loaves. 
and if okay so it says they had seven loaves and a few small fish and they had four thousand people to feed so they had just done this miracle jesus had blessed the food and they spread it out and it ended up feeding everybody that it needed to feed and they ended up taking leftovers they had seven baskets full of leftovers after all four thousand people ate from these seven loaves of bread and a few fish and so just after this Jesus gets in a boat with them and they they head off uh, to Dalmanutha. And when they're going to Dalmanutha, Jesus tells them to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Herodotans. So Jesus is telling them to be beware of the leaven. And leaven is something that you use to make bread. So for them, they were probably thinking, Okay, so, well, we just gave away all the bread that we have. So obviously we're going to need to make more bread. And when they got to the other side of the water, their first thought was that they need to buy some yeast and some leaven in order to make this bread because they don't have any food. So they thought, rightfully so, that Jesus was telling them when they get to the other side, don't buy any leaven from the Pharisees because whatever leaven they use in their bread or they're selling that day just must not be good. But Jesus was was trying to communicate a much deeper truth than this. And the disciples, this is an example of how they weren't like intellectually gifted or they weren't necessarily like able to understand Jesus' abstract teachings more than anybody else was. And in this passage, it specifically says that they didn't understand what he, he was saying, but they didn't want to admit that to him because they didn't want to seem foolish. So they, they ultimately... Uh, talked about this and they were trying to figure out what Jesus was talking about. And Jesus ended up explaining it to them later in the passage. And he says that he wasn't talking about the, the, the leaven that they use in their bread. He wasn't talking about literal leaven at all. He was using leaven as an example for their character and their teachings. He was telling them to watch out for the teachings of the Pharisees because on many, many occasions we see Jesus talking to Pharisees and, and questioning the things that they're teaching and saying, you, you've been reading God's word your entire life, and this is what you think? So he, Jesus was telling him to watch out for the teachings of the Pharisees, and they had no idea that Jesus was, was teaching, telling them this. And this happens a lot, where Jesus kind of says something, communicates a message indirectly, and his disciples don't quite get it the first time. And many times he has to explain his parables to them because they don't understand what the point of the parable is. And I can definitely relate to that because I'll often be reading, the, reading a parable and I'll think to myself, what, what does this have to do with like biblical truth? Like, why am I hearing a story about a man and his son? And I, I just don't understand. So I can really relate to the disciples on this level, but it's so encouraging to see that just like the disciples had this inability to understand Jesus' abstract teachings on their own, but they still went on to make such an impact for Christ. That every disciple except for Judas ended up dying a martyr's death for Christ ended up going out and sharing the gospel for the rest of their lives. Just how and encouraging John. is that? What? And John, but he ended up dying on Patmos. Right. But okay. That's fair. I, I just, I counted that as a, a martyr's death. Yes. He wasn't like crucified or anything, but they just sent him out to an Island to die on his own. So that's, <laughs> but yes, fair. That, that's, it is a, it is a different, different situation. But anyway, they're all making a difference for Christ and, just seeing, seeing how they did that at a young age without any divine level of understanding, it's just so encouraging. Yeah, but that really speaks into 
the power of God and really the, because I think this is, this is one of the main reasons. Well, I'm, <laughs> I can't say it for sure, but I'm obviously not in Jesus's head, but probably one of the bigger reasons that Jesus chose the disciples that he did is because of the fact that since they were average men or even men that were considered to be trash of society in Matthew's case, um, the tax collectors were really thought of to be the worst kind of Jew that there was. It was a, a person that betrayed their own people so for profit, essentially. And they were really viewed as the total garbage of, of society. And then Jesus chose these people to, to follow him, first of all, to learn from him, to, to be discipled under Jesus, and then to go out and apply what Jesus had taught them. And it's kind of... it it speaks into when a person is not extraordinary by our earthly terms, God's glory can show through them so much better because of the fact that they're not looking for their own glory. Like they don't have any reason to, to fight for their own um, glory or their own affirmation, if you will, because of the fact that they know that they're, they're an average person and it's only by the grace of God that they can do anything great and it really not only keeps them humble, but also really shows the, the like I said, the power of God in a much more mighty way. And it's really interesting to talk about the Apostle Paul, because the Apostle Paul was actually kind of opposite of the, the, the direct disciples of Jesus, because he, uh, in his own words, had reasons to boast in the flesh. He had reasons to boast about himself, to search for his own glory. And he actually talks about this in Philippians 3. He says, uh, I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh. If anyone thinks he has more reason than I, you know, I have more than that person. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as the righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of knowing Christ. And this is such a, it's such an interesting thing that Paul takes all of his achievements that he had up to this point and he throws them away because knowing Christ is so much more important. And I'm sure that he knew if you asked him that all of these achievements do nothing for him um, in terms of his own glory. He is only looking for the glory of God and how he can further the kingdom of God. And I think the disciples are really doing the same thing. And coming from the disciples' perspective, it's imagine Jesus, who you'll find out later is the Messiah, asking you to be one of his disciples to drop everything you have to go out on a complete whim of faith and to follow him. And, and this is even scarier as a young person. I mean, think about all the young, maybe all of our young listeners out there who are in this age range um, and including us who are doing, doing this podcast or in this age range. If some random person came up to us on the street and I'm sure that, you know, if Jesus came up to us on the, on the street, I, his presence would be pretty powerful, but just some random person saying, you know, follow me, drop everything and follow me. I drop all your safety, your security at home. Um, drop your plans that you've had in life. Maybe your plans that your parents have been working towards for you and have been pushing you to, you know, achieve certain goals. Um, like I've been, I've been, we're all in school right now. Imagine just dropping all of the school, all of the, um, like imagine all of the work that we've done so far in school, just dropping it and not finishing the race just because someone asked you to follow them. I mean, it's incredible display of faith that the disciples had and at such a young age too. And I think that's what we're really trying to point out here is that 
the disciples, even though they were average, they were, you know, maybe considered unintelligent by the, the standards of that day. Um, in spite of that, they, by relying on God, became such great men. And this is, this is a really cool thing. And it also applies to us as young people that we can be, we can have that same reliance on God. And even if you think that you might be average or you might think that, oh man, like I'm just not, you know, extra, you know, extraordinary in any way. And I just feel like God can't use me. Well, God can use you in so many great ways and he can use you in, in ways that you would have never imagined yourself could be used in. And we just have to rely on him and be seeking him with our lives and then leave the rest up to him. Um, Cause it's, it's ultimately all in his plan. Um, you know, we can, we can maybe hope for things and have plans and stuff. But we want to make sure that we're relying on God to direct our life. And Jonathan mentioned that, that these disciples were young and they went out to follow Jesus, to commit themselves to him. But I think that often it gets overlooked how, how much of a sacrifice and how risky it was for them to actually go follow Jesus rather than other um, rabbis of the time. And we see this because the Pharisees of the day were not fans of Jesus at all. The Pharisees saw Jesus and everything he did, they accused him of, of breaking the breaking the law, breaking God's law, uh, being against God. Even in Mark chapter 8, they accuse him of being of the devil. They, they basically say what you're doing is something that the devil would be doing, and you are the devil. And so the disciples are following this man who all the religious leaders, these, these are Pharisees and Sadducees. These are probably people that the disciples and their parents looked up to because these are the elite of the elite. Like in, in the religious world, they're like the people who teach, the people who teach the people who teach you. And so they're so they know so much. They have memorized large portions of the Old Testament. And they are the ones who are responsible for knowing God's law. So when you're walking around following this religious leader, and every turn the Pharisees and Sadducees are telling you that this man is lying to you and that this man is Satan or doing the things of Satan, how discouraging would that be? Like it seems like just the commitment level that they had to have in order to stick by Jesus' side when everybody who they trusted was telling them otherwise, everybody who they trusted was telling them that Jesus was not who he said he was. Because Jesus, don't forget, Jesus was claiming to be God. Jesus was not hiding the fact that he thought or he knew he was God and he wanted people to know. He knew he was the son of God and he wanted people to know. He knew that he was the Messiah, the promised Messiah, and he wanted people to know. And these people who have been studying the scriptures their entire lives rejected the fact that Jesus was the Messiah. So how much faith and commitment does it take to stick by Jesus' side? Uh, of course, we know all but one all but one of the disciples ended up staying, staying with Jesus. That was Judas Iscariot, who ended up uh, turning on Jesus and taking a bribe from the Pharisees to turn Jesus over to them so he could be sacrificed. But it's just the amount of faith and commitment that the disciples at our age had to have to follow this man who's literally being accused of being Satan is astounding. Just seeing how much commitment they had and how, how hard that would be to be following this man, but how worth it it ended up being in the end. So moving on sort of from that section of how the disciples were young and how they followed Christ. Um, one thing that I want to point out is how, Jesus trained them for ministry throughout his time with them. And once 
once he had finished um, his work on earth, once he was crucified and rose from the dead, um, he put them basically in charge of how of leading the church. Um, and they were the, they were leading people, teaching them about the Christian life and what it means to be a Christian. And so that idea of Christ being the, um, Christ being a teacher and equipping them for his purposes, equipping them to basically start Christianity, um, is something remarkable. And that was like just recently after Christ's ministry. So again, they were probably in their early twenties at this time when they started the church. And from then we see how God miraculously just worked through their lives throughout that time to become these great leaders. Um, but during that time, we see that they're not perfect, even after Christ um, rose from the dead, even after they had been with him and had led the church for a while. Because we see in Galatians chapter 2 that even Peter like, still went back and was fighting, um, fighting the Jew versus the Gentile type war. Um, that Paul was trying to bring down. And so not everyone is perfect. Even if you see Christ rise from the dead, and even if you go through all these amazing things, everyone is still going through their own struggles. And we see even Peter um, fighting what people are saying, oh, you need to be like the Jews. They're the like right side of... Um, who God wants and the Gentiles, they're just kind of in the background. Um, but Paul is like, no, the salvation is for anyone and everyone. Um, and so just kind of that, that tension that goes through um, Peter and Paul um, during that time. But yeah, we see such a transformation though from Peter and the rest of the apostles in the beginning of their ministry to um, at the end when we see them as church leaders and God can work in our lives in some pretty incredible ways. And once again, I want to put myself in the disciples' shoes. The disciples of Jesus, like we mentioned earlier, were somewhere in the age range, 15 to 18 to 20. Uh, and Jesus, once he died, he put it on them. It was their responsibility to go out and to grow the church. The disciples were the first young Christians ever. The first young believers in Christ who went out to share it. And not only were they young Christians, they were young Christians responsible for making sure the church survived and thrived. And how much, how much responsibility and pressure is that? But also, how much faith is Jesus putting in people our age? Like, Jesus, if Jesus didn't trust young people, he would have put it in the hands of people his age. He would have put it in the hands of men who are late 20s, early 30s, mid 30s, 40s. But Jesus trusted these young people to go out and to take care of the church and to to grow the church. And it's so it's crazy because the United States, the church in the United States is not organized like that at all. But 
like we've mentioned, one of our one of our uh, mission trips was to Albania, and one of the small towns that we went to in Albania, it was called Poyan, and the church in Poyan was mostly comprised of late teens, early twenties. Like the leaders in the church were young, the congregation in the church was young. The average age in that congregation was probably somewhere in the range of nineteen, and just seeing how God can work through us in ways that are so beyond our abilities that he puts the the future of his church in the hands of these young people. And even we see it with Paul and Timothy. Paul puts the same thing in Timothy's hand. He gives Timothy responsibility over an entire church. He, and Timothy's young, Timothy's our age. And like Max said, that verse, 1 Timothy uh, 4.12, Paul warns Timothy, he says, don't let people look down on you for your age. And I think that we should take that exact same message that we, we can't use our age as an excuse for why we're not making a difference in the, in the kingdom. We can't use our inexperience as an excuse because if we seek to do something for God, he will give us the strength to do it. And our age has nothing to do with it. Our age, our age in fact, is a benefit. Our age is a reason that we should go into the ministry because then we'll have so much experience by the time we get to our 30s and 40s. We'll have so much experience winning people for Christ and training the body of Christ that it just, it looking at all this, we cannot use our age as an excuse anymore. Young people can serve Christ just as well as older people in the church. And it's definitely hard to talk about the disciples of Jesus without talking about discipleship in general. And this is kind of something that we as young people don't feel like we often need to do like we we might feel like oh well we're the young people so we should be the ones being discipled right now but everything that is being invested and being poured in you you should also focus on investing and pouring in people that are younger than you as well um this could be literally it's i can tell you so many times that in my life um especially in the church that I've had interaction with with kids that are younger than me. And I wouldn't have thought twice about those interactions, but I hear about these interactions later in life about how they have positively affected the, that person. And it's really encouraging. And you, you don't realize how much of an impact that you have as a person of our age um, or even older or younger, or whatever. There are always people that are looking up to you. There are always people watching. Yes. And if you're being a good example, sorry, what? I was agreeing. I said yes. Oh, um, if you are are living for Christ and being a good example, there are going to be people that notice that. And even though you might be oblivious to them being a positively affected by your actions, um, there are people out there that you are technically discipling without even knowing just because of the fact that you're living a life for God and everything that you can do. Um, I can just just to give one example of this i don't like tooting my own own horn or anything but i literally had no idea, idea this was going on there was a there was a younger guy at our church um who went to battalion with us and i think we've talked about battalion on the podcast before but i'll just give a quick rundown on it um battalion was essentially our christian uh boy scouts i guess you could say we hate terming it as boy scouts because it makes it sound so um regimented and sort of military type but really it was just uh, a, a boys uh night where we came out and we we had fellowship uh, with with male mentors and it was just an all guys thing where we got to do outdoors stuff 
and learn about God's word and have um, like great, you know, interactions with older men that kind of poured into us their experience and their life experience and stuff like that. And it was a really, really great time. We all loved it and enjoyed it. And there was this this younger guy who was going with us and he didn't go very, very long because he had some like based off family stuff, family issues and stuff. He wasn't able to make it out as much. But um, I just remember every time that he would come, I made it like an effort to say hi to him and just and just, you know, ask how he was doing and stuff. And um, it didn't seem like that he had too many friends, unfortunately, because he was a really, really nice guy. He was just quiet and shy. Um, and he had a very like even and, and quiet, peaceful personality. Um, and I just kind of was doing my best to just say hi to him whenever I could. And at the time, I really didn't think anything of it. I thought I was just saying hi to somebody that was there. And at the time, I was a little bit older in battalion. So it was kind of um, at my point in my life that I was starting to supposed to be able, I was trying to be a good influence on the kids that were younger than me. Um, and then I found out later through my mom who talked to his mom that just me saying hi was a huge impact on his life and sort of where his mindset was in in life at the time and so even just saying hi to somebody asking how somebody is doing just investing some kind of small amount of time into somebody that is younger than than you can be viewed as as a style of discipleship i mean it doesn't have to be you're having a Bible study with somebody younger than you all the time for it to be a discipleship. Of course, that's a great thing and you should totally do that. Um, but we should always be looking for times in our life to pour into people that are younger than us and always establish um, the younger generation because the older generation established us. And it's, it's obviously the cycle of life. And Jesus did the same thing with his disciples. I'm sure that Jesus um, was discipled himself. And then when he got to the age, he discipled his disciples. And it's a great cycle that we need to always be pouring into and, and focusing on because um, God has done so much in our lives and given us some great experiences. And us speaking into in through that to other people can be really powerful because God is powerful. And I'm sure many of you can look back on your lives and um, your testimonies and see like there are people that come to mind who you've seen work in your life um, to help grow you and your faith. And that's something that all three of us have experienced. And that's why we have a lot of interviews on our podcast is because we have these people who have discipled us and have trained us in the faith um, who have a lot more insight than we do. And we want to share um with you guys what they've been able to share with us and sort of that idea of um, bringing our experiences to you um, and giving all the glory to God. Um, we've all had mentors in our life that have changed our views of Christ. Um, for me specifically, when we interviewed Matt Braden, he was um, one that just instantly comes to mind. There was a time in my life that was just a little bit crazy. And um, that's when I got to know him, got to meet him. Um, and during that time, he really discipled me and shaped me. Um, and so now I'm able to be a disciple or I'm able to disciple people, whether it's um, people at school who maybe are a year or two younger than me or um, my younger siblings that I get to spend time around. 
um, or just anyone that I come into contact with, people are going to watch you and notice you. Um, and we can be an example to other people. And whether it's normal discipleship that takes place, um, meeting up a specific time of month, or like Jonathan said, just saying hi to people or showing kindness to other people um, is just huge. So having that discipleship aspect um, is great to have in the Christian faith um, because we're not made to go through this time, um, this life on our own. We're supposed to build each other up. That's what the church is for us too, um, is to help each other in this life um, and to share the gospel with other people. But just as much as we're emphasizing having somebody that you disciple in your life, I think it's just as important to have somebody who disciples you. Uh, my sister uses this great analogy for discipleship in the church, and I really love it because it gives you a mental image of what discipleship should look like. And she says, imagine a fountain where the water starts on the top and then it slowly it cascades down the layers, goes to the next layer, and then the layer after that, and the layer after that. That's how discipleship should work. As, as you're a young believer, you start toward the bottom of that fountain, and then you slowly climb the fountain as you grow older. And so there's always somebody pouring water into you, and then you're always pouring water into somebody else's life. And it's this is, this is the functioning of the church, because just imagine if you took a fountain and you completely blocked off one of the layers on the fountain then that means every layer below that would cease to get water, would stop getting water because that one layer is no longer being fed into. So just as just as important as it is for you to have people in your life that you are discipling, that you are going out and making an effort to teach in Christ and encourage in their faith, it's also just as important to have that person who does that for you in your own life. So we can all make sure that we're continually growing in our faiths, continually grow, growing in Christ. And I think that that is, that is one of the ways that we can make sure that our lives have as much of an effect as possible for the gospel of Christ by making sure that there's always people we, who we are reaching out to uh, for the gospel and encouraging in their faith. So this episode has been great. I've loved this conversation that we had when we decided to talk about d- disciples uh, and their youth and the qualifications or lack thereof of the disciples. It, it just it really got me excited and then how we were able to, to use that to also talk about discipleship in a modern context. I just, I really loved it. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode too. Some, some of the great applications that we had from this episode are first, to not let people look down on you for your age. Because we, yes, we are young. And people who listen to this podcast, most of them are young. Most of you guys are young. But that is not a reason that we can't make a difference in this world for Christ. That is not a reason that we can't go out and be bold for Christ. Another application that we had is that God can use you in mighty ways if you rely on him for strength. If you go out and try to live your life based on your own strength, it's not going to go very well because our strength is not enough to do anything. Our strength is not enough to go out and stand boldly for Christ. Our strength is not enough to overcome the schemes of the devil in this world. But God's strength is. And luckily enough for for us, he offers that strength to us. That strength is available for us as long as we rely on him and lean on that strength. Our third application is to always be looking to be a good example to others and to find a few people in your life to specifically disciple in the Bible or in Christ. 
and to do the same, to find people in your life who will do that for you. These, these relationships are so important. This is the crux of building people in their faith. So I'll let you guys on a little insight behind this podcast. One of the reasons we decided to start this podcast is because the number of people who leave the church when they, when they graduate high school and move off on their own is astounding. It's, it's, I, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but it is very high, the number of people who just leave the church once they leave their parents' households. So that's why it's important for young people like us to build those discipleship relationships. Because if you start to be discipled at 15, 16, 17, 18 years old, then by the time you move off on your own, you will have that solid foundation of faith that'll be able to prepare you for the things that the life throws at you. Because a lot of people are kind of thrown off track when the world starts throwing things at them and they don't have that solid faith base that they had when they were living with their parents or going to their home church. And then when they move off on their own, they're unprepared for what the world has to throw at them. We wanted to start this podcast to equip young people with God's word, equip young people with the tools that God has given us to serve him in our lives. And this episode is like the epitome of that. This episode is what the life of a young Christian should look like. And we started off by by wanting to talk about the disciples, but I really love the direction that we've taken it. This is an episode that shows the difference that a young Christian can make and how young Christians can have an effect right now, how young Christians can have an effect today on the things that they do. And so it's so encouraging to look at the disciples as examples of young Christians, to look at Timothy as example of a young Christian, and to see how they had an effect. The reason that we have the Christian church that we have today is because those disciples went out, they took on that responsibility and went out and grew the church. So like I said, I hope this this episode has been an encouragement to you guys. If you have any questions at all, any comments, any doubts, any criticisms, anything to say to us, please don't hesitate to reach out. We have our emails. You can email us at Christian, Jonathan, or Max at livingvictorypodcast.com. You can email our general email to get all three of us at questions at livingvictorypodcast.com. You can also reach out to us on Instagram or Facebook at livingvictorypodcast. We want to hear from you. We want to get these questions from you guys so we can answer them, so we can talk to you about them, and we can help equip you guys to be better believers in Christ, better representatives of Christ to this world. If you guys got anything at all from this episode, please consider sharing it, and please also give us a rating and review on the iTunes store. We're not doing this because we want to buff our egos or because we we want to feel good about ourselves. The ratings and reviews on iTunes, that that works into the algorithm. It helps the, helps the show show up higher on the rankings. So the more ratings and reviews that we have, the more this show gets recommended to people and the more eyes and ears can fall onto this show and the more lives we can make a difference for Christ. So please consider giving it a rating and review, sharing the show. And then if you'd like to go further than that in your support, we also have a donation link. If you'd like to give a monetary donation to the show, our promise to you is that every cent that you donate to this show will go back into the show and will help us grow the show, advertise the show, and make sure that more people are hearing this show and learning about the show and hearing the gospel through this show. So to do that, you can go to livingvictorypodcast.com slash donate. It'll take you to the PayPal link to donate to us. And like I said, we will use every cent that you give us, pour it back into the show. None of it will go into our pockets. And we just, we want to thank you guys so much for listening. We couldn't do this show without you. You are the support base that we, that we need. You are the reason that we do this show. And 
I don't want you guys to think that you are any less important to this show than we are, because you guys are the, the reason that we're able to keep doing this. And we thank you so much. Every time you share it, every time you, you support the show by rating it or reviewing it, you are helping us to continue to grow the show and you're helping this show to continue to thrive. And you are helping the gospel of Christ go into more households, more ears around the world. It's actually, it's crazy the number of countries that this show has been heard in. Uh, I'm pulling up the numbers now so I can talk to you guys about that because I just wanted to share this with you that this show has been heard in, in many countries around the world. And just to see how, how... I love it. Yeah, just to see how much of an effect we've had for Christ in this world, even in these these short, just over six months that we've been doing this show. Uh, let's see, this the list of countries that this show has been heard in. United States, Ireland, Canada, Argentina, United Kingdom, Albania, India, New Zealand, Sweden, Latvia, Germany, Honduras, the Dominican Republic, the Northern Marianas Islands, Singapore, Ecuador, and Australia. Like, just... Ah man, we should we should put that on a map so we could see all the countries that this this show has impacted. It's just we've we haven't been doing this for very long, guys. And the fact that our show has reached that many countries is a testament to the power of God and the power of your support. So we thank you so much for for riding riding with us, being with us, supporting us on this journey, and we we look forward to having your support as we go forward. Uh, you know, we just I can't thank you enough for your support. Can't thank you enough for for riding with us for listening to us every week and it's just it's so encouraging to see that there are people out there who want to hear the gospel who want to help the gospel share to more people around the world so we just thank you and as always love each other and shine your light.